Man, I love our family. Um, so glad. T, T's, T and I are only like a couple of weeks apart with our birthdays. We're like really close in age. So I know he's, he's like, man, I want to just, so we, we just so appreciate that, man. He's uh, been a huge blessing to Lake Haven, but also to our youth. And I'm sure the youth would agree. So um, just so appreciate all he is. He's such a man of honor. He's such a servant-hearted guy. Many of you have touched, I mean, have, have experienced his life firsthand. And so we just, I just want to honor him, you know, um, even though he's not here. He's just a great, great, great blessing to, to so many of us and to so many of you. Um, I do want to mention a couple, Corin said like we've got a couple things to, to mention. We have um, an outreach coming up, and I say outreach carefully because it's going to be a different Sunday, a crazy different fifth Sunday of the month, and it's going to be themed. The Sunday is going to be themed back to the 80s, right? So 80s. Back to the 80s. It's going to be a different kind of a service. It's going to be a fun service. It's going to be a potluck as well. So you're encouraged to bring food. Stay late afterwards. There's, you're welcome to dress up if you like. Okay? You do not have to dress up if you don't want to dress up. But we'd love for you to stay. We'd love for you to invite people. It's going to be a very different service. These are the kind of outreach services I, that we can bring people who would normally not go to church and say, hey, come on, see how crazy our church really is and see how much fun we can have. So there's going to be this, there's going to be this lip sync contest. Now it has been clarified to me. That is not during the service. That is after the service, during the potluck time. And if you're interested, we've already got some entries. We can only have a certain number of entries. I forget how many it is, and there's already a number of entries for it. And so you are not going to do karaoke. You don't actually have to sing, but you do have to lip sync with this. And so there's some people, and some, so it's going to be a bunch of fun, okay? So that's groups and individuals. The groups can't be massive, too, too massive, but they can be. It'll be fun. And they, the way they respond is by texting lip sync. Oh, there you go. Read my tape. Tip. Oh, there you go. The tape. The tape. You know, many of you don't know, but this is called a tape. Because some of you know it's called a cassette tape or a tape. We had confusion last week. We were hand, they were handing it. This is the actual invitation. Just the, the hard, it's a genuine cassette tape. Yes, we had some of them lying around in storage. So we decided to put them to the use. And so you could say, this is actually the invite to bring somebody here. They can read the tape. They do not have to play the tape. Okay? We had some people saying, I don't have a cassette player. I can't use it. And I was like, no. The point is, you do not have to play the tape. There is no audio recorded on the tape. Um, I must tell on my son, Ethan, I don't know, I think he's just so funny. He looked at one of these and he said, oh, wow, a VHS. <laughs> I was like, then he's apparently, what did he say to you? He says, how do you see things on this? How do you see what's on this? I thought it was, <laughs> I was like, dang, are we that old already? That's like, dang, no. No, you don't have to play anything or see anything. The actual invitation is on here, so invite some people. It's going to be, as I said, a different service. You'll be seeing some, some advert, but it'll be a great thing. But again, if you, tip, if you text the word lip sync, um, it's on the back of the cassette to the text in church number 352-441-3016. Uh, and, um, and, then, and then if you want to, if you want to sing, and then you'll be in, they'll, get, they'll be in touch with you and get, get you the details of how that's all going to happen, okay? But have fun. Enjoy. Uh, make sure you stick around. We'd love for you to stick around and, and, and enjoy um, some uh, a potluck together as we do on every fifth Sunday. Cool. I think that was all. Oh, yes, and I, I wanted to mention today we have an ushers meeting after it. If you've been interested in serving, ushers, our ushers are awesome. Jim Bowder is our, our head usher, and he does a real real great job and we just so appreciate it. But if you, if you want to serve here in any capacity as an usher, um, they are gonna, there's going to be free pizza, so you don't have to... Don't, you don't have to stress that you're not going to get food. There will be pizza afterwards, and um, they, I believe it's just going to be in the cafe, right, Jim? What's that? And salad. For, for the salad lovers out there, there will be pizza and salad. What's up there? Ah. Sorry. I forgot. Oh, okay. I was supposed to mention if you want to be a hostess for the Festival of Tables... You're supposed to be in the back room after the service. They're going to have a quick info meeting. So if you're interested in that, please come to the back meeting and uh, get the info meeting. So, awesome. Signing out.
Praise God. Well, I, um, I have going to have, uh, I've got my laptop here for a change today. That was because um, coming in this morning, I dropped my iPad in the parking lot. Yeah, and unfortunately, I can't see the screen any longer. So, <laughs> so I'll have my, my big old laptop with this, if I can get it. Not sideways, otherwise it'd be weird. But in any case, um, I, um, I am in, this, in the middle of a series called Creating Your New Normal. Creating Your New Normal. And I, I want to encourage you, this is a, a concept that, um, that hopefully you've been listening and following where I've been going with this because I've been trying to communicate a concept of the heart and how we can ultimately change um, our lifestyle effortlessly. You know, we all have a standard normal. Um, most people very rarely change from day to day from where, where their, their normal is. And, and you know, I, and, and, and just to define normal, I guess one of the illustrations is kind of like autopilot. You're, you and I, we all have an autopilot. And um, it's kind of like learning to drive a car, right? You, you do things automatically now, if you're an experienced driver, that maybe when you first started driving, you were super stressed out and all tense about, and, and, and how you, and back in South Africa, we had what you call stick shift, we call them manual. Most cars were manual, very few cars were automatic, so everybody had a stick shift in South Africa just about, and, and people who couldn't drive used automatics. Sorry. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But that's, how, that's just how South Africa was. So everybody, you, we, every teenager learned how to operate a clutch and a stick, you know, you know when to change and grating in the clutch. And, but, but it didn't take very long before it, it all became normal. And you don't even realize when, when that stuff, when you learn how to drive a stick shift, it's just normal, right? You, 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 when you change down and you drop into another gear and you accelerate or you accelerate, whatever it is, it just becomes super normal. You look behind you most of the time or all those things. Um, or, or like I said, an autopilot, on a, on a, if, if you're a pilot and you have the autopilot functions, which most planes do, it will maintain a certain altitude um, and direction or heading um, when it's set on autopilot. Now, the plane will, will, will calibrate itself. So if there's a headwind or if there's a sidewind, it will, it will stay on course on its own. Um, and, and even if you pushed the joystick down and temporarily went down, or if you pulled the joystick up and temporarily went up, if it was on autopilot, it would ultimately come back to its standard settings. Our lives are very similar to that. Most of us can agree with that because we've experienced life in our normal. Some of our normals have become really good. Some of our normals have been pretty bad, and we can talk about different areas that, we're, that we have better success in. Some of you are really good at, at, at experiencing successful life in finances. You have no problem with, with finances at all. It seems like money just comes to you. Um, you never have problems. Sometimes you've, you, maybe you've been bankrupt once or twice. No big deal. Um, just give it a year or two and you're almost back where you were. I think President Trump had been bankrupt how many times? I forget how many times it was him. He had been bankrupt in his life. But, he became, but people that have, have worked through certain things in their life, it doesn't matter if they're down and they come up. In fact, there was an interesting study about the Cubans that came back after when Castro came in and so many people fled Cuba and they came to America. They, many of them, or almost all of them, came with absolutely nothing. And they found out that after a few years, those who had been rich in Cuba were rich in America. Those who had been poor in Cuba were poor in America. That's interesting, right? That's because you will, you will adjust your normal. You will adjust your normal financially, emotionally. You're always dating the wrong person or you always seem attracted to the bad person. Why is it that I'm always attracted to the wrong person? Why am I always this way? Why am I always that way? There is a normal and you don't have to live in it. Now Christians, we have the same thing. We have this massive change when we're born again 
And, and when we, 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 have, we experience Jesus, we experience the liberty that Jesus gives us, we feel like there is no lack because we've been set free, our sins have been forgiven, and we have this incredible new experience. But sadly, religion has so often crept in, in religion in lots of capacities will creep in and start putting us under obligations and start making us feel a certain way, and then suddenly we feel uh, less than we ought to, and we, we end up in the same kind of a trap. And we wonder, why are we not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus came to give us? Why do we always, if your normal is being sick, why are we always sickly? Why do we always get colds? Why do we always get flu? Why do we always, and the same thing happens. We tend, I mean, I can take it to wait. You have, a, you have an image, a normal, an autopilot in your physical health. Not just in your, but you do. You have, it, you have it resident in you about where you typically live. Now, I'm not saying that you can't, a person can't have a crash and, 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 be, and be hurt in some way, but I, you, you know what I'm saying. You, all of you who have been you know, on diets for, and you say, I've totally, I've lost like 500 pounds just incrementally so many times or, or whatever it is. Some, you, you, it's, 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 really, it's really the same thing. But what, what I'm trying to conceive or trying to communicate in this is how you can adjust your normal. So, so, so listen with your heart because there are some concepts that we have we've adopted in the word of, out, of, out of religion that, that has just been so bad. And Jesus said, remember, I've brought up the scripture a number of times. It says, you, you, you have made the word of God, your traditions have made the word of God to no effect. And so we have to adopt a teachable heart. And now I've got to tiptoe a little bit, right? We've got to be teachable because we, we, are, so, we are so grounded in keeping what we have learned. We, we have our self-worth based, not in Jesus. Most of us have our self-worth established in our doctrine. And God forbid anybody that touch our doctrine or our definitions. Because suddenly, if our self-worth is, att is attached to our doctrine or what we've been taught, because grandma, grandpa, the pastor I grew up with, whatever it is, if somebody touches that, then it's like, uh oh, no, I'm just throwing it. It's like, hold on a second. Our self-worth shouldn't be established, listen carefully, in doctrine. It should be established in Jesus. And when I say that, I'm not saying we throw out the Word of God. Oh, no, no, no. The Word of God is our absolute foundation. But sometimes what we need to go back to is how we see these things because our doctrines often don't fit. They don't work if you want to be real. This piece doesn't fit with this piece. And last week I gave you an illustration with the Hoberman sphere. We think in the Western, our traditions, we are so, in our, especially in the West here, can be so religious in our thinking. We separate all these concepts of God and we make them so linear and then we, we, teach, we teach one piece over here and one piece over there, uh, and, and, and we try and put it all together, and it just doesn't work. But these, these, our doctrine and the word, a relationship with Jesus, Jesus said, in, and we use that scripture so often, John 17, 3, he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, and that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. The, to experience God is eternal life. Not your doctrine. Not your church, whatever the church you grew up with. Not Lake Haven. Lake Haven ain't going to be with you in heaven. It's not about a. It's about knowing the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Knowing how we, what we believe, and 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 like I said, the church sadly has moved. Generally speaking, the church has moved away. Generally speaking, historically, the church has moved away from what we believe into what you're doing. And if it makes you think, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And, and it's made it about this external action. So we've made it so much about the external. And, and I'm going to have to do a whole series on grace and legalism because basically law, man, it, it set me free because I grew up in a legalistic mindset. And I think most of us do. And if you understand and study legalism, the whole book of Galatians was written because of legalism and what legalism does and what law does and we think that we have life because of these laws 
And Jesus said, no, it's got nothing to do with laws. Because we think by them we have life. We don't have life by law. And, and, and so the whole book of Galatians, when you understand it, but really law, we thought that if we do stuff on the outside, it will be the key to turn the lock and then God will release the gumball from heaven, basically. You know what I mean? It's like if we perform according to how we think we've been told to perform, do the stuff we've been told to do, don't kick the dog, be nice to your spouse, uh, you know, pay your taxes, worship just right, raise your hands, don't raise your hands, uh, whatever your religion is. If we just follow the ritual, follow the religious form outwardly, then we can earn the other stuff inwardly. Legalism. Dead works. That's why dead works is one of the foundations we study if you do D group. You can't, you see, this whole legalism was always about the outward appearance, about trying to influence the outside, but it's got nothing to do with it. It has to come down to working it from the inside, and that's what Jesus came to offer us. He, he came to, to offer, and, and he pointed, Jesus came along, and he, remember, Jesus is the exact representation of God, right? The exact Man was so messed up, Jesus comes and he is the very personification, God himself. And he says that if you've seen me, he said to Philip, you've seen the Father. He is the exact representation, it says in Colossians 1 and in, in Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus came to manifest this and Jesus came to show us exactly um, how we were going to live. Remember, I, I mentioned last week in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1, God says, who will believe our report? Now remember, God says this, who will believe our report? He's talking as God, the, the, person, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like he said, let us make man in our image in Genesis chapter 1. He was talking amongst himself in a sense, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. We're talking, who will believe our report? And, and to whom has the Lord been revealed? And, and, I, and I finished off last week with saying, it's not historically believing in Jesus. It's what do you believe? What do you believe that Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, all of the things that Jesus, that the word of God, what God says Jesus did. You see, people for so long, it's like, well, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, I believe in Jesus. And their life is no different. That's because they don't even know what the word believing means. They don't even, they've never really, they've never really taken to heart what Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. That Jesus actually became a man, 100% man. And I don't want to go and burrow down too deeply into all the beliefs that, 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 that God has in that because we can, we can touch on some of them perhaps next week. Because there are some really critical beliefs that we need to analyze in ourselves and if you haven't been taught right then you need to renew your mind in those areas to and to to address the what's happening inside you remember jesus said that so often and uh, about what's happening inside you he said the kingdom of god is not out there it's inside here entos what comes out jesus said clean the inside of the cup and the outside will be clean automatically. Jesus so often pointed inwardly. And, and so this whole Christian walk has, not, has got very little to do with, carefully listen to me, very little to do with how you walk outwardly. It's got to do with how you believe inwardly. And so if we're going to change our normal, we have to adjust our belief system. We have to look at our belief system and adjust our belief system because as Jesus said, clean the inside and the outside will be clean automatically. I think it's in uh, Galatians perhaps, uh, I think it is Galatians chapter 5, where he says, walk after the Spirit and you'll not walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Not the other way around. doesn't say... Stop for walking in the flesh and you'll be good enough to walk in the spirit. But, but we have been so, so uh, conditioned with the external. We think external. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Where, where that isn't where we are. So, so in, in, um, 
uh, in um, where I'm going to take. You know, James said this, these famous words, and he's been criticized. I know people that have actually said that the book of James shouldn't be in the Bible. Some people delete people, swaths of the book of James, and, and, and James is a powerful script, scripture because, because James 2 verse 18 says this, someone will say, have faith, and I, I, um, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works, says James. And so he says, he says, real faith will be shown by your works. This is no different to what Jesus and even John, the apostle, said. They just use different terminology. It's completely consistent. That's why the word of God has got to be seen every piece. You, you can't interpret the word of God independently from each other. You can't analyze just faith without looking at grace, without looking at covenant, without looking at the names of God, who God is. And that's what I meant by when I showed you that Hoberman's fear last week. Every piece is connected and works together. And, and that's what we can call a continuum. I, I like, that, I like uh, Jim uses the phrase, and, and it is very true because everything is related to one another. And that's why when we, when, we are, when we are becoming disciples and we're followers of Jesus and we want to live like Jesus lived. Remember that I, I gave you the definition earlier in the series. I said that's the difference between a, a student and a disciple. A disciple wants to live like their master lives. A student just wants to know what their master knows. And unfortunately, the church, generally speaking today, just wants to know stuff and then argue stuff and then fight with stuff and then complain and Facebook people about well, who's right and who's wrong. Jeez, that's not what Jesus is about. It's not about what you know. So, so James writes here and he says, he says, listen, you have faith and I have works. He says, but he says, he says show me your faith apart from your works and I will you show, show you my faith by my works. Faith, works will flow effortlessly from a heart that's established in faith. And, and, and when we analyze faiths in the future again and we look at it, I, I'm going to adjust some things on faith because I tell you, when you believe right, works flow. Beautifully, we are created unto work, good works. Works flow from a heart that is established in believing right. You don't have to try and remember. You can't do it. You can't do it the other way around. You can't. It's called dead works. That's why they're dead. That's why they're dead. You can't. You can. First Corinthians thirteen says you can surrender your body to the flames. You can give all you have to the poor. Sounds pretty good. I wonder how many brownie points that gets me with God. None. Nothing. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, you can, you mean I can give my life as a martyr? Yeah, and it'll count you nothing. You know that Jesus does say there's going to be people that day and say, Lord, didn't we do this? Lord, didn't we do that? Lord, didn't we do that? And he's going to say, depart from me. I didn't know you. Your stuff has got nothing to do with pleasing God. Nothing. 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 Zero. Nada. Because you see, we've been saved by grace alone through faith. Right? The beauty of this is all, we can't bring anything to God. We can't we can't offer anything to God. We can't, nothing. We can't offer God anything that's going to like, oh, great, with, that's going to earn us anything. And that's really where the law was. The law and legalism was about doing external stuff to earn stuff from God. That is how law works, where we see that that is absolutely not what Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, all of these things teach the believing. So we have to, we have to focus and put our attention if we want to, to live this life. And, and this is, listen guys, this church is about authenticity. I mean, the fact that you even walked in here is amazing. You must be phenomenal because, because I probably chased away so many people because I don't know. 
But, but we, we, want it, we want to be real. We're not interested in playing church games. We're, not, we're, we're tired of... It's, it's, and, and, and that's why I, I, I hope that, that Holy Spirit can communicate these truths in a way that you can grasp and lay hold of to focus that, that when you turn, when you turn the, the attention on the inside, when, when you essentially do what Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup, when you focus on this piece, outside is automatically basically going to be clean. Okay? And that is how we establish our new normal. So, but going back to this, to James, he says, so, so he, he says, um, by, uh, I will show you my faith by my works. Jesus said this this way. Listen to this in, in Matthew uh, 15, verse 7. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, These people honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Wow. Those two, those two verses, or three verses, if you go to 7, 8, and 9, he says, hypocrites. He says, listen, honor me with their lips. So in other words, they stand up. Jesus is saying this. They stand up and say, oh, God is wonderful. Don't we honor God? They honor him with their lips. But God doesn't care about what you say with your mouth. He says, their heart is far from me. Interesting, right? In vain they worship me. Oh my gosh, you mean they go to the worship concerts and worship here and, yeah. Honor God outwardly. Go to worship services. And he says, you bunch of hypocrites. Why? Because he isn't looking on the outside. In vain you do worship me, he says, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They teach. They teach the commandments of God as doctrines. Do this, do that, do this, do that. And Jesus says, you bunch of hypocrites. Well, I thought that was good. I thought that honoring God with their lips and going to worship services and talking about the commandments was what good people did. Not according to what Jesus said here. Okay, this is Jesus. Sorry, I'm just pulling out the scripture. Matthew 7 says this. Um, Matthew, sorry, it's, also, it's going back a couple chapters. In Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, 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 they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Oh my gosh, that sounds a lot like what James just said. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad, bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Mark seven nineteen. 19. Um, it says this. Uh, he declares all foods clean, sorry. And then in verse 20, what comes out of a person, uh, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, oh, sorry, the next verse in 20, if you have that, um, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Next verse, for from within, listen to that, watch, watch, watch. From within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, and there it goes on, the list. Uh, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, ev envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. They come from within, right? Okay, so then how about this? In, in, you've seen this in Matthew 5. Um, uh, actually, I'm going to skip over the word. Jesus basically said, okay, let me go to it just because I've said it. Matthew 5, 21. You've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable of the, of, the, of the hell of fire. But if you are offering your gift at the altar 
And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. Go first be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Some, some, he says that basically in another passage, on a similar passage, he says, listen, if you are angry with your brother without cause, you're a murderer. What? That's not how the, that's not how the sheriff's department defines murder. But that's, Jesus said, it's, it's a continuum who you are in your heart, what you're experiencing in your heart is what God says. Matthew, listen, I'm, this, hold your horses because I spoke to you last week, if you heard the end of my, I'm not trying to condemn you, believe me, because we've all had these thoughts. Okay, let me tell you, I've had more of these thoughts than any of you, okay? Okay, Make, set your heart at mind, at ease. Matthew 5, hey, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, sorry, 27 and 20 to 29, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in, her heart, in, your, in his heart. Wow, Jesus. You see, Jesus raised the standard and said, I don't care about the outside. I care about the inside. We see that in Samuel. Remember when Samuel picked David? It said that Samuel was so impressed with all the brothers that were tall and strong and mighty and he and, and, and then Samuel said, oh my gosh, this must be the king that God sent me to anoint. And he says, and the Lord spoke to him and said, don't look outwardly. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. You see, unfortunately, the heart is generally left out of most teaching in most churches. Again, you will find lots of ritual stuff that you should be doing. You should be giving. You better be giving. If God want God to bless you, you better give. Outward, 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 outward. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be doing good works because we are created, it says in, in Ephesians 2, unto good works, Ephesians 2.10. That is what we're actually made to do. But again, if you're listening carefully to what I'm saying with your heart, this is not how we earn things from God. It doesn't work from outward in. Yes, works will flow from inward out. In fact, Jesus said, that's how you will know somebody's heart. Look at their life. If they're bitter and twisted and miserable, guess what they're experiencing inside? You, can, you can't, this is not a message, I mean, because that does reveal our, our intention. We can look, only look at our own hearts and say, God, I need your help. Because we can look at our own experiences, we can look at our own relationships with our kids, with our spouse, with whatever, and see the fruit of what was happening in, inwardly and say, Lord, help me. And you know, if that's your experience or your expression, you're in a good spot. Because that's exactly what grace is. We can boldly approach the throne of grace to find help, to find mercy, to help in a time of need. Coming to God and saying, God, I can't do it. Help me. Whew, eventually, you're here. But you see, we're so loaded with legalism and this way of outward in with this backwards, forwards kind of thinking that, that is so rife in religion. We think that we can change or earn stuff from God from doing stuff outward. Counts for nothing. Wasting your time, wasting your life, tick. Talk. Oh, here you are in heaven. Life goes by pretty quickly, guys. How do you want your life to be lived? Are you living your life to be recognized by men? Hopefully get a hospital wing named after you? Or a country? Is that how you want to be remembered? Or do you want to do something for the kingdom? Do you? I mean, that's only something that you can, that's only something that you can decide, but, and you and God, because I can't judge your heart. Paul said, I don't even, I can't even judge my own heart, right? John says this, the apostle John in 1 John chapter 4, he says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Wow. That is the same thing, just with different concept. It's exactly the same principle. Listen to that in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Where is love from? From God. He is the source. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
if you've experienced God, the love of God, if that has been your experience, if that has been your priority, we've, we've preached sermon after sermon, foundation after foundation about being rooted and grounded in the love of God. You get established in the love of God. You know God's love. When you experience the love of God firsthand, guess what happens? You love people automatically. It's genuine, authentic love flows from your heart. Why? Because you've experienced it. I love John Osteen when he said that. He said, you can't give what you don't have any more than you can come back from a place you've never been. That is, that, is, that is the mark of maturity right there. The mark of maturity is not how spiritual you are. We're so juvenile that we chase after miracles. Honestly, the church today chases after miracles. Do you know that that's what they did in Jesus' day? Thousands wanted to see the stuff. Oh, let's go out. Let's go and see the stuff. Let's go and see the stuff. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Oh, I like the bread thing. The bread thing is pretty good. And the fish. Oh, do that one again. Oh, let's see this. And let's see some more signs. And oh, those were so cool. And then until Jesus said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood. Oh, and you were offended? So he lays it on a little thicker until 12 of them are standing. 12. Jesus wasn't evident. He hadn't read church growth books. <laughs> and then he turned to his 12 and said, do you want to go too? He didn't care about church growth books. In fact, like I've said before, there were 120 in the upper room, even though that's on the upper room after, on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after his crucifixion. There were 120 in the upper room, which some people say isn't the upper room, but whatever, doesn't matter, wherever they were together. 120, even though after his resurrection, it says in scripture that he appeared to 500 people at the same time. 500 people saw Jesus at the same time. There were 120 in the upper room. Interesting, right? Oh no, but if I just saw Jesus, I'd be there. Hmm. I hope so. <laughs> I hope I would be there. Okay. So, Okay, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm laying this down because, because when we're talking about transformation, uh, and we are talking about the difference, and I've said this earlier on as well, transformation in Jesus, religion says you've got to change. There is a big difference between change and transformation. Change is trying to become something that you're not. You do not believe who you are. So you're trying to put forth effort to become something that you believe or religion has told you or somebody has lied to you and said, you're not this. So change is trying to be something, act like something, pretend like you're something that you're not. So it feels like that hamster wheel because I'm trying so hard to do this and to do that and to try this. And, and, and I understand because that's what we've been taught. That's what change is about. But transformation is not like that. Transformation is effortless. Transformation is yielding to who you really are. You see, we're being told in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and many of you will know it by heart, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All you need to do is yield to who you are. Learning how to affect change in our heart. There's, there's really a simple process. It's not difficult. But as I said to you from Proverbs chapter 2, that, that there's intention when it talks about the heart. You, we have to, we have to, this thing with Jesus, let me tell you, this thing with Jesus is going to take all of you. Some of you think that Jesus I can just do on the side. I, all I really want out of God is to get to heaven one day. So let me pay my money and, you know, go to church and do this little Jesus thing, and then I'll make it to heaven. But in the meantime, let me just have my life together. That's how a lot of the Western church thinks of it. Jesus says, you give me it all. Or don't even waste your time. 
He said, you give me your all. You declare him Lord. You put him in the driver's seat. You make him master. He is the one that holds the purse strings. He is the one that has your bank account. He is the one that decides how you're going to act and react. And he is the one, when you get, come to Jesus, you come, to, you come with all of him. Remember the rich young ruler, right? Comes to him, hey, I've kept all the commandments, Jesus. Aren't I something special, you know? I've done it all, aren't I, aren't I great, you know? What should I do? And, and Jesus says, hmm. Looks into his heart, heart, and says, one thing you still lack. Go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. Now, that's not an instruction for everybody. It was Jesus was putting the finger on what his hindrance was. Jesus, it actually says in that scripture that Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's what it says. Go and look it up. Looks at him. He looked into his heart and loved him. He gave him the exact words that he needed. He said, one thing you lack. Go and sell all you have. Give it to the poor. And then he offered him a place on the team. He offered him a place on the team. He said, come follow me. And it says that the, old, the, 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 guy, the man went away saddened. You see, you see, this Jesus thing isn't a part-time thing. It's an all thing. It's an all thing. You come to Jesus, you surrender. You give it all. But we sing these words, right? I give it all, Lord. Isn't it wonderful? I just give it all. But, but do we? <laughs> this is not a message of condemnation. Okay? I'm... I'm I'm putting my finger on a couple of things by the Spirit of God. But this is not condemnation. Remember, Jesus took all of our sin. And we, we dealt with that in detail last week. That's one of the things, that's one of the things we had to believe, that when Jesus came, in fact, let's, let's look at those scriptures a little bit. But one of the powerful, if you, if you have your Bibles, I love when Pastor Greg says that, you can turn anywhere you like to. But um, I'm going to be in Isaiah chapter 53. Um, Isaiah chapter 53, the same one in verse 1, he says, who's going to believe our report? In verse, um, uh, in verse 4, it says, surely, in the ESV I'm reading, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. Man, isn't that a powerful scripture? Pierced for whose transgression? Ours. Crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Like I said, Christmas has got nothing to do with peace on earth. That's not what it says. It was a peace between God and man, and we've studied that before, but that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. Then in verse 6, it says this, All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took the punishment of the world. And let's, I mean, let's just, let's just drive that one home. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. I'm going to pull it up here. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. Man, so powerful. I love the book of, John, of 1 John, but man, chapter 4 is so loaded to the gills with God's love. This is, this is uh, if, if, go back to verse 9. Sorry, I just can't. I heard a little context. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. So God, here it's saying, listen guys, you want to know how God's love is made manifest? How you see the love of God manifest? He says, this is how God's love was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. So he's about to say, this is how to, and then in verse 10, it says, this is love. Let's see the definition. Not that we loved God. So much for all the scriptures that say you better love God first. He says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
And that word, the propitiation, if you, you, you've heard or been here, but he said that's, that's the one that would turn aside God's wrath. He would take the punishment for our sin. That is crazy. And we, we speak about the exchange, but that's the, beautiful, the beauty of the exchange in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 all the way to 21, that God made this reconciliation, and you've heard me teach on it so many times, katalaso, the word reconciliation is the Greek word katalaso. It means literally to be exchanged. God reconciled. He took our sin, our sin, every sin that you have ever done and ever will do, because they were all in the future when Jesus died on the cross, and he took the punishment on his person. It says in Isaiah 53 and that we're reading over here. The punishment for your sin has already been paid. That is the power of the good news. Already. Which means God can never judge you for your sin again. <laughs> never judge you for sin again. Oh, and let me just drive this point home and send the, most of you rushing for the door. First John chapter 2, let's look at verse 2. Let's, first John, go back two chapters, would you, Janine? First John chapter, chapter 2, verse 2. First John 2, 2. There you go. He is the propitiation, same word, for our sin. And listen to this. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Which, guess what? Your favorite person that you love to hate, that God's going to get them for their sin? Ain't going to happen. Did I pop you? Did I pop the bubble? But you're saying, Shannon, you're saying that if we preach this, that people will, we're going to go out and sin. If they want to go out and sin after they hear the good news, they can. God, God has already paid the price for their sin. Their, their lives will be a misery. Just like you've, you and I experience sin, sin will still bring destruction. You see, the Bible does say that for righteousness sake, it's we, there is one sin that we will be stand before God for, or the world will stand for, whether they receive Jesus or not. Not these individual sins. But your favorite preachers on TV will tell you that that Katrina was to go and judge the people in San Francisco for their homosexuality. Or whatever, sorry. New Orleans. Thank you, babe. Whichever coastal town you want to pick. <laughs> oh, but you know, this tornado was to judge the people because they see it in the Old Testament. They totally remove the cross and everything Jesus done on the cross because they don't believe that report. Oh, no, no, no. Let's just remove Jesus and the cross and that whole thing. Let's just get straight to God killing people. They don't believe his report. They haven't read these scriptures. You see, what we believe about this stuff makes a difference. Because when you know that you and all your crappy stuff and you and all your bitchiness and all your, you know, your selfishness and everything else that you screw up with, you know better than the person that you hate. And that you point your crooked little finger at and say, I'm better than them because they're so bad. We all need the grace of God just as much. And they're all just as forgiven as we are. And when you realize that you're no better than that person, that you, you and I are just as dependent on the grace of God, shuts your mouth a little bit then you understand the parable where jesus said about the servant who had was forgiven for 25 bucks and the other one was forgiven six billion dollars it's like when you realize your sin was as stenchiness six billion dollars as that guy's 25 bucks you and i have never earned heaven you and i have never earned heaven they haven't earned heaven that's what we get to know and we give to give our Lordship. Jesus demands us our all. We choose if we believe in our heart, and we'll get to that next week, 
and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved, healed, prospered, blessed, protected, set free, set apart, made whole. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> We're, we're so dependent on God's love and forgiveness. And when we realize we have never depended on him, we've never earned it. But you see, self-righteousness comes in, especially for those of who are, us who have tried hard for so many years working to earn stuff from God. This is a bitter pill to swallow. You mean I've not done anything to earn Sorry, nothing. Makes me think of another parable. There's so many parables that Jesus told about the guy in the orchard. Remember the ones that worked all day and got the same pay as the one that, that worked for an hour and got the same pay? So many parables start fitting. Click, 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 click. All fits in to one cohesive message about God, how much he loves us. How much he loves the world that he gave his only son. Gave, gave, not so that people would earn. Gave. It's a free gift. Salvation is free. This is how First John, back, back to First John 4 says, this is love. This is how it defines it. That God gave Jesus the propitiation. This is, this is fundamental. Because when faith, righteousness by faith, coming to Jesus and, and receiving by faith his righteousness and him taking our sin makes all the difference. But living in that, letting that, letting, letting that belief saturate our heart takes, takes a couple processes. And, 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 and I wanna, I, I'll, I'll talk about the process next week a little bit because there's some practical things that it just means. But... But really, it's, it's meditating on the Word of God. It's meditating on truth. And it's establishing. And, you know, if it says it in Romans 10, 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It's just there are simple things that we can do. But remember, we've got to be inward focused. It's got to be you're going to have to look into, in, and you can present your own heart to God and know that know this, listen carefully. I mean, if you need to close your eyes, you can close your eyes, but know this, that you can boldly come before the throne of grace to find mercy and find help in a time of need. Boldly, boldly. That word is a powerful word. In Greek, it's paresia. It's to, it's to have this, I can walk up. It's not to timidly creep up to the throne of God. It's you can march up to the, bold, to the throne of God and that throne is called grace. And you can receive mercy. You can lay hold of it. Lambano would take it into yourself. You can receive mercy. And God's mercy is to treat you better than you deserve. And we all need mercy. Every single one of us. Boldly receive his mercy. And find help in a whatever time of need. Let's pray. Father, is that what you want to do? The question to you is, what will you do? with that will you let that belief penetrate your heart will you hear these words and just let it water off a duck's back or will you let the seed of the incorruptible word of God penetrate your religiously hardened heart if that's like you like I have been and find depth Will you nurture that seed? Will you allow it to grow? Because you don't. You, you, you don't have to let it in and the birds will carry it away. You can give it a little bit of depth and it'll disappear out of your mind by tomorrow breakfast time or maybe tonight. Or will you feed it and nourish it? Will you resist the cares of this world, the worries that are bound to come and want to steal it from you? the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things come and say, well, that all sounds nice, but I'd rather just do my own thing. That's your choice. Free will 
that God gave you, gave you the choice of, of doing all of the above. But if you want to proceed, if you want to have an intimate relationship with God, if you want to press in, if you want to have an authentic, genuine experience with God, then that's something you have to choose to yield to because he is always standing there. He is always for you. Always for you. Like the father of the prodigal, he is the one that will run to you. He's not interested in listening to your excuses. He is just ready to pull you in and give you a hug. He is ready to wrap his arms around you, put sandals on your feet, put a robe of righteousness over you, give you a ring to restore you. That is always his heartbeat for those who come back. Whether you've been away, whether you've never known Jesus, he paid that price for all of us. So we yield to that, Lord. We just receive that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we, we, we yield to these beautiful truths. And this absolute fundamental one, Lord, we give you, we give your word place in our hearts. Let me give you a second. I, I want you to make that decision right now. Just make that decision, what you're going to do with the word. Thank you, Father. God will meet you wherever you're at. You don't need eloquence. You don't need words that are lined up and theologically perfect. You just need a heart that responds to his love. Thank you, Jesus. I can promise you that if you yield to God and embark on a life of discipleship, that these things that have been stressing you outwardly will fall away. Not maybe overnight. But no matter what issue you have, whatever normal you've been experiencing that has been hurtful in your life, emotional, relational, social, financial, whatever issue that has been, if you decide, Lord, I want to do things your way, I yield my heart to learn of you, to learn of you. Like he said in Matthew 11, right? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my teaching, my understanding, my point of view, my philosophy upon you. I am humble, I'm meek and humble, and you, you will find rest for your souls. He will give you. You will find that. You can have a whole experience. You can walk out of it. Yes, if you've been poor your whole life, you don't have to say, I'm going to die poor. That's a lie. If you've struggled with sickness your whole life, you're, oh, I'm just going to die sick. That is not God's plan for you. That is not God's plan for you. But it does take a decision, in my opinion, of learning and even if you haven't made that decision God will manifest his love to you I want to encourage you if you make that choice come and see some of our prayer counselors here and let them pray for you let them minister to you whatever it is let them lay hands on you let them speak give them give your word and, and we not just them we have some really rich ministers sitting among us that are just sensitive and you need prayer the body is here the body is here Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you that you're for us. God is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Thank you, Father. We respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I will um, try and wrap that up this next week on, on next Sunday and we'll talk about some practical some 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 real take at home stuff but if you this if this was new to you it, it would help to go through the others online and um, and then let's just let's just wrap it up and like I said all we can do is encapsulate it sort of as a concept amen and then um, take it home take it home next week I love you guys so much remember there's the ushers meeting if you want to serve as an usher 
um, say for pizza or salad and um, and sorry festival the table stuff is back there and remember if you need anything if you're online and you need prayer please text the word prayer to 352-441-3016 and we'll have a prayer minister connect with you love you guys so much thank you for being here and if you're not back next week sorry love you anyhow <laughs> have a great week <laughs>